0: Welcome to the Living Hope Parent Gathering podcast. The Parent Gathering is a weekly meeting of parents who are being trained for family discipleship through instruction and small group discussion. Listen now as we share with you what we taught students this past Sunday morning. This is your first time here my name is John I'm the middle school minister and getting the lead parent gathering uh, you may also see pe- like Chad who's also on our next team, team here he's our high school minister also my boss and also Mariana's is gonna be here in a minute so we're doing all three of us will be here mainly because during y'all small group time we're gonna be meeting with y'all so like elementary school will be in here middle school will be in the normal space you just have to follow Chad wherever he leads you might lead you into a ditch I don't know but um, so trusting yes and it's just gonna be a t- that small group time today will look different it'll be a time when really we're just open to feedback we're gonna ask you guys probably like three or four questions and probably the biggest challenge for someone who's on church staff will just be not to say any words. So we're just gonna like sit back and listen and hear what you guys have to say about parent gathering, how y'all are doing as parents, but also ways that we could better equip you guys. Um, and if this is your first time coming to parent gathering, normally like the large group teaching time, which this is is about Ten to 20 minutes and then you break off in the small group kind of breakout discussions and this week as i was like preparing this lesson two things happened one yesterday my computer decided to do an update so for some reason it deleted like half my files so yesterday evening i was like where is this file so it was working so this will be interesting this morning and then second i was asking some of the middle school boys on tuesday and wednesday and thursday also some of the girls like hey i'm teaching parent gathering teaching your parents this weekend what are some words phrases, jokes, comments that I could use with your parents. I was like, and also make sure your parents are there. (laughs) Guys, we have some of the most respectful, nice middle school boys because none of them gave me anything. I was expecting like, you should make a poop joke or you should like make fun of my dad or my mom. The only thing they told me, which I love middle schoolers for how honest they are. They're like, you should teach more to them like you do on a Wednesday night. Than you do on Sunday morning because you're a lot better on Wednesday nights, and I was like, "Huh, okay, you little brat." Um, but middle schoolers gotta love them because they tell you exact. They're so stinking honest, and you always know where you stand with them. And sometimes. Their mouth can sometimes get them in a little bit of trouble. Um, But it reminded me of a time when I was in eighth grade, when I got in trouble, um, for being a little too honest in art class. I know many of y'all might find that hard to believe with me that my tongue got me in trouble. Um, But art teacher named Mr. Dave assigned me a one-page report as punishment for saying some mean things to a girl. Um, He told me, John, I want you to write a one-page paper as a consequence, and you're going to write this paper on... Frank Lloyd Wright. How many of y'all have ever heard of that name before? Wow, more than I totally thought would be. And you're gonna write this paper on his use of reinforced steel concrete beams and architecture. And I can assure you there is nothing more exciting and invigorating for an eighth grade boy than to write a paper on Frank Lloyd Wright, one of the most famous architects of the 20th century and his use of reinforced concrete beams in architecture. Not at all. So immediately I did what every good middle school boy does and I went to Google which next to God's word is the source of all truth for middle school students. (laughs) And I began to read about like old Frank and he built an established over 500 different structures businesses houses museums and 400 of them are still standing today and i can remember as i was researching there was this one that really caught my attention many knew of frank's work in like the 1920s the 30s the 40s and there was this businessman named mr kaufman lived in pittsburgh and his son had been a student of frank's may not have been the best student, actually failed his class twice according to history, but when he he told his dad about the houses and structures that Frank built, he reached out to Frank and told him, hey, I want you to come to Pittsburgh and develop for me a vacation home where my family and I would always go camping every year. They would go to this place called Bear Run Creek where the water flew over a couple of cascading waterfalls and it was in nature, there was no one around for miles. They would often swim in these streams. Um, Even Mr. Kaufman would say they would climb under the waterfall and the water would cascade over them. And they would lounge on the rocks and look back at the waterfall and enjoy creation. And he told Mr. Wright, I want you to build me a home that sits right on the side of the water looking back at the waterfall. This picture is actually from the spot that he said he wanted it to be built at so that he could enjoy the peace and tranquility that his family always experiences there. So Mr. Wright flew out to Pittsburgh, drove an hour to Bear Run Creek and said, you know, Mr. Kaufman, if you want, want, if you love this waterfall so much, I'm not gonna build you a house that looks back at the waterfall, but I wanna build you a house on the waterfall. And Mr. Wright shared his vision for building this home. And as an eighth grader, when I saw this picture of falling water, that's the name of the home that I found. That's it right there this is falling water and that's this is from the vantage point of where mr kaufman wanted to build that home he wanted to be looking back at the falls but mr wright built a home on top of the falls where the falls could be enjoyed the valley below it could be seen and humanity nature could live in harmony and if you, you can go there now i did it way back in. i think i was like in college when i went there you can tour the home and you you can do more than just talk about this vision that mr wright had but you can actually stand in it, enjoy it. And that's what your kiddos are going to be talking about today. They're going to learn that God gives us a vision for his kingdom. And he doesn't just invite us to stand at the riverbank and look off as a fan, but he actually invites us to live in it and enjoy his vision for us. That he invites us to be a family of disciples that make disciples to impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation for the gospel. So your kiddos are going to be going through two, two passages of Scripture today. The first is Acts 1, 6 through 11, and then the other, which has Acts 1, 8, which is a super popular, familiar verse to a lot of y'all. And then the other one that they're going to be looking at is Matthew, 16, um, through Matthew 18, 28, 16 through 20, which is the Great Commission. And that's where we're going to really camp out because really acts the passage in acts is just furthering the great commission furthering the importance of the great commission so i'm going to read it and then we're just going to look at kind of two things from the great commission so it says this now it, the eleven disciples went to galilee to the mountain which jesus had directed them and when they saw him they worshipped him but some doubted so side note really quick before we get into those two points one thing I love, actually two things I love about this text is in verse 17. It says, they worshiped and some doubted. Like before Jesus sends us, he calls us to worship him. Worship is a driving force for making disciples. You make disciples It's a driving force for missions. But I also love that second part. And some doubted that there's this mixture of faith and doubt. And what I love is Jesus isn't like, are you serious, guys? Like, are you kidding me? Like, if I would have been like, Jesus, I would be like, really, guys? Like, Peter, you like ran to the tomb to see it. Like, you walked on water, but you're doubting? Like, Thomas, well, your name means doubt, so we'll just move on from you. Mm -hmm. But like, John, the disciple who I loved, you're doubting? Or like, do I need to go get Lazarus, bring him up here for you guys? Like, there's this doubt there despite all they had seen and yet Jesus doesn't rebuke it he doesn't go you know what guys I'm starting over like y'all are ridiculous I'm getting a new team to carry out my mission can't believe I picked y'all to begin with he doesn't he actually moves towards them now I love that because because I think this is picture you know Martin Luther he says that faith is a wrestle with doubt like there's this idea that you I, we aren't allowed to go like, oh man, anyone ever experienced like had this extraordinary, like powerful moment from the Lord? And then like two days later, you're like, did that really just happen? Like, did I just get really lucky and stumble into the perfect set of scenarios and they happen? That's what's happening to these guys. They've seen amazing things. Like they've seen Jesus call disciples, calm storms, die on a cross, be crucified and rise again. And in that moment, it's so, so unbelievable in spite of the fact they've even just been 40 days with jesus after he's resurrected eating and learning and he's about to ascend and it's like it's actually happening like they're having doubts and i want you to be encouraged that there's even a smidge of doubt in you you make a great disciple because guys who lived with him for three years and saw everything he did still have doubts but the encouraging thing is jesus doesn't step away from you he actually moves towards you and guys that's incredibly good news Anyways, getting back on to verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, two things to really take from this text is one, guys, we don't want to be a church that just talks about the vision but we wanna be a church that sees the vision become reality, that lives in this vision that God's given us to go and make disciples. That's the first thing he tells us, right? He says, all authority has been given to him. And he does that and tells us, go and make disciples. That we got one job. Bill Belichick stole it from him, guys. So did Nick Saban. You got one job, go and make disciples. Now, if you need a definition of what a disciple is, because that can be kind of vague, nebulous. Like so many people have different definitions. Like what do, what do I say? When I say a disciple, what am I, what do I? When we say disciple, we're simply talking about someone who knows and follows Jesus. someone that knows and follows Jesus and someone who is being changed by Jesus. So someone that's actively growing in their relationship and then someone who's living on mission. Gospel grow and go. That's as simple as I could break it down. Again, trying to fall back on my middle schoolers, telling me I should teach them like I do, on, teach all I could do on Wednesday night. So try to keep it super simple. Um, but go and make disciples. That sounds simple, right? How do we do that? Here's the thing, parents. I don't want you to get like overwhelmed, scared, fearful. Like making disciples is for like certain people, but not for all of us. Like when I was a kid, I thought it was just for like the pastors or the worship team. Or the Bible study leaders, like they make disciples, but like I don't. And I don't know if you feel that way, but listen, parents, we're always making disciples of something or of of someone. We're always making disciples of someone or something. Think about what you're passionate about. Think about what excites you that you want to really share with others and that you want them to follow you in that and enjoy what you have discovered. For me, that's, you know, non-Jesus thing. That's super rica. Some of y'all probably have never heard of that. It's a Tex-Mex restaurant in Nashville. Outs, it is the best Tex-Mex I've ever had in my life. My wife's from Texas, and she said, outside of Austin, it's the best Tex-Mex she's ever had. Um, I'm always telling people about it. I'm like, guys, you have to come have their queso. you got to have their nachos. Like I bring, like we went there last night and we brought like six people with us. We were going to go there, but it was going to be a two-hour wait at 8.30 at night. And we're like, we're not waiting two hours at 8.30. We're hangry already. Like <laughs> we're going to go get a burger somewhere else. And, but there's, And I tell people how there's nothing like it. And I try to bring people with me so that I can try to create more people who love Love it and share about it because once you taste their queso, guys, you're going to grow really quick in love with it. And their nachos, because they actually do real nachos, Tex-Mex nachos, where it's like each one has its own individual toppings. So it's like has its cheese, its own piece of steak. It's not just like a pile of chips with like cheese and queso. Is this a bad time to talk about this? Are y'all hungry? It's It's working? Cool. But it's a perfect example, right? Someone who's passionate about something, wanting others to follow their passion and excitement about it music fashion sports you got to enjoy you got to see with it come with me as i discover and learn more about it we're making disciples all the time i think our problem is we're not really honestly for ourselves intentional about it and i'm so grateful we're in a room of people who on a sunday morning lean into the things of god and i'm so glad we have our ac running right now It's it's hot up here um But guys, I'm so grateful that all the things we have on the church calendar for the next 12 months, especially coming out of COVID when there was nothing on the calendar. Great things, and there's a lot to be excited about. You know, in in a church, it's easy to measure our effectiveness by how many people show up. Like I'm going to a conference tomorrow, and I already know two of the guys there, the first question they're going to ask me, how many people are you running in middle school ministry? Like, What's your attendance? Because that's how they measure effectiveness. Or... To look at a church calendar and say like, "Hey, if you're super busy, you must be super effective." And you know, there's a lot of ways to measure a church's effectiveness, but when Jesus gave this commission, did he send the disciples out to go make 20 churches of 2,000 people? And as awesome it is to fill up your calendars to the glory of God, He said, "Go and make disciples. Church calendars, events crowded rooms play a part in that to some extent absolutely but Jesus said the one thing I'll measure your effectiveness your one job that will matter most it doesn't matter if you're a professional Christian minister like I am or working as a teacher or a doctor do you make disciples and what I love about this is it simplifies our vision for our life Jesus is always reducing things to, to the simple he takes the complex and he makes it simple he says, go and make disciples. And when he says, he says, go make disciples, it's plural in the Greek. It's you all go and make disciples. So when he says, you all, he says, y'all. He'd make a great son there, y'all. Yeah. Um, really believe it, go and make disciples. And he tells them, teaching them, it's the second thing, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. He says, you do this by teaching them to, to do all that I've instructed you, what I've said, what I've taught, how I've lived on my life. Now, Unfortunately, a lot of times in many churches, what this is becoming is making, making disciples is teaching people about Jesus, knowledge and information. And that plays a critical part, but what so many churches have done is they filled our heads with knowledge, but it's never affected our heart. The mistake we might make is with the singular idea is we're going to fulfill this vision is just by teaching people about Jesus as soon as their heart will be affected by it that assumes that we can all have knowledge but we can all have knowledge of jesus but never become more like him guys that was me till i was 18. i went to a christian school knew all the right answers knew a lot about jesus but the gap between my head and my heart even so it's only 12 inches was like the grand canyon you can have knowledge of jesus but never be confident like him you can have the knowledge of jesus but never have the peace that he offers and until that knowledge hits your heart it really is ineffective. And when that knowledge hits your heart, it changes everything. It stirs you up. And when you begin to follow him in that way of knowing him, but in spending time with him and obeying him and surrendering to him and everything he calls you to, you long to go and bring that to other people and tell other people about it. Similar to how I am with Super Rico. Like you want to tell people like, hey, let me tell you about this Jesus guy. And you're spending time with him. And you're growing and you're going with him. But the number one way to make disciples, and I love you guys enough to to ask, to ask this question and tell you guys this. The number one way to make disciples is to make sure you are a disciple. Question we should all ask, are you a disciple of Jesus or are you just a fan of Jesus? There's a difference there. You know, a fan cheers for him when all things are good, but walks away when things are hard. You know, they sit safely in the stands, not knowing anything about the sacrifice and the pain on the field. You know, fans of Jesus know all about him. Like we all know about John Calipari or Tom Brady or whoever it is. But they don't actually know him. Disciples attach themselves with Christ and follow him right they believe and follow jesus they're being changed by him and they're living on mission they're going where he calls them you know i think back even if this will work fans like to look on the side of the like to look at the creek and just observe it they want to observe the waterfall but disciples actually want to live in what god's doing and joining him in what he's doing in his mission to love people and places and things to life so we're going to break up into small groups. I'm going to pray for us. So um, after I pray, y'all will just go. The rooms have y'all signs on them. So and if you have any questions about becoming like a, like a disciple of Christ, come find me or Chad. Actually, any of the adults in here, we could probably easily talk to you about that. So I'll pray for us, and then y'all will be broken up into groups. Thanks for listening to the parent gathering podcast we invite you to join us at 9 30 on sunday mornings in room 215 where we will have opportunities for discussion among other parents for more information about living hope next gen ministries go to livehopeful.com